Hello, friends and neighbors. This is Ray Harwood. Welcome to this podcast edition of Fix Your HOA. There's a group that I work with a little bit. They talk about how we can help homeowners uh, with their HOA. And, And one of the questions that we had was, what questions should a new homeowner ask before buying a home? What should they be asking about their HOA? Homeowners spend a lot of money checking out their house. They do a title search. They may not do it, but they pay their title company to do it. You know, usually you'll get a, a home inspection. You may be required to get a termite inspection. You probably have to get an appraisal of what the value is of your home. You might have to have a plat survey and, and have the property surveyed. And then obviously you check out the schools and the shopping and the restaurants and the things around your home. And you spend a lot of time really looking at physical things and things that you're required to look at. But do you check out your HOA? You know, you paid or you will pay at closing $400 typically in Arizona to transfer your name onto the HOA records. And you'll likely get more than a dozen documents from your association. And most prospective buyers don't bother to even read the documents. They don't even open them in most cases. And if you ask about them a a month later, they'll go, oh, I didn't get anything. But the reality is you sign saying that you got them and that you read them. It's important that you read them because it's a contract. It's a contract that rides with the land when the CCNRs, the restrictions, the conditions, covenants, and restrictions document. Once you own your home, you're bound by the CCNRs just as if you had physically signed a specific contract. Here's what I think you need to review in advance, and and that is, while you still have the opportunity to get your escrow money back, while while you still can go, oh my gosh, I don't wanna buy that home. You need to look at these things and make a decision of, are the restrictions that are in these documents and is the interpretation of those restrictions by the current people who are in place in the HOA and the management company something that I can live with? It's one thing for the documents to say something about parking and it's another thing entirely to find out once you move in that either they are sticklers for no cars on the street or whether they've kind of gone, "Uh, you know, we don't care, we can't do anything about it. So here's the things that you need to know about and need to review in advance. The first one of those is what we generally refer to as the governing documents. Now that term governing documents refers to a variety of things. The first thing it does refer to then is those CCNRs, the Conditions, Covenants and Restrictions document. And normally that is filed with your county recorder's office by the developer of your community. Now your homeowners association may have filed one or more amendments or restatements of those CCNRs afterwards, but I'll tell you that many of them have not. And so depending on when your community was built, your documents may be that old and still have language in them that even refers to the original builder. From my perspective, reading those CCNRs may be a little confusing to you because they refer to the declarant. 
and the declarant is that original builder that declared this restriction document. You need to know about and read those CCNRs and read through them and, and understand what they mean to you. The second document in the governing documents set is the bylaws. Now the bylaws are typically not required to be filed with your county recorder and in most cases they are not. But you need to have a copy of these because they specify a, a goodly amount of process that is required by your association. Um, and, and while the bylaws can be changed, and in fact CCNRs can be changed, the method required to actually make a legal change to those documents is often onerous. That's a word I don't get to use very often, but it is onerous. You may have to have 50% of your, your homeowners, you may have to have 75% of your homeowners, and in some cases we've seen in order to make certain changes, you have to have 100% of your homeowners sign off that they want to approve that. And so that makes the bylaws very, very important. The bylaws also state a variety of things about your annual meeting, um, your board, and the committees they can have, and that sort of thing. The third piece of governing documents is rules or guides or guidelines. These may be architectural rules, they may be referred to as design rules, they may be referred to as association rules, but they're typically an expansion to some extent in detail about what the CCNRs say that the association should do. So if the CCNRs say you need to restrict parking, then those rules would go into more detail about how they are going to perform that restriction. If the CCNRs talk about the plants that need to be in your yard, that you need to have a certain amount of plants and meet an architectural board's approval in order to do that, then the rules and guidelines will typically include a certain amount of information in more detail than what the CCNR has. It may list prohibited plants. It may list specifically approved plants. It, it may list a variety of those things and how they can be planted. So those rules and guidelines documents are also very important. The fourth section really of governing documents is your association's policies. And these are typically developed by or written by, and at the very least approved by your board of directors of your HOA. And I'll talk a little bit about those board of directors. The people who are on your board now may not have been the people on the board six months or a year or two or three years ago. There's sometimes some turnover in boards, which can be good, and it may be counterproductive. Sometimes you've got the same people who've been on the board forever, and that may be good or it may not be good. You don't really know until you get to know them. But the policies that are in place typically talk about the violations and how the violations are handled and how the fines are handled. And you want to make sure that the violations and fine policies are, are things that you can live with. When I first moved into my community, you know, there was a, a policy that had one letter went out really as sort of a courtesy letter saying, hey, we see that you got weeds in your yard. The second letter was a $50 fine, and the third letter was a $100 fine, and the fourth letter was a $200 fine, and the fifth letter was a $300 fine, and subsequent letters would be $300 more. When I got on the board, we changed that. We changed it to $25 and then $50. No one's being incentivized to fix their yard with a $300 penalty that no 
one's going to end up paying. So you need to look at those violation and fine policy. And you should also look at the collections policy. What happens if you miss a payment or are unable to pay? How are they going to treat you? Um, you know, do you get a 15 day notice? Do you get an immediate late fee at 15 days? If you miss one payment, is there a set of fines? And typically, you know, this is a, a, a profitable area for the management company. The management company assesses some fines on behalf of your board and the management company collects that money. The association typically does not get that money. The management company gets that money. And so this is one of the reasons management companies love to be in the HOA business because there's a variety of ways for them to make lots of money if they try with uh, you know, sort of the, the normal way things are done. There should be other policies besides violation fines and collections. If you find that your association doesn't have any other policies other than those two, you have to wonder about the governance that your board and your management company really has over the association. There should be, I would say, at least one or two more policies. There should be a policy on policies that describes you know, what the processes are for putting policies together. The other policy that I like to see is a retention policy. What are the documents that our association needs to keep on hand and how long do they need to be kept on hand in both either electronic form or paper form and how are they disposed of? Do they have to be disposed of if we are having them in electronic form? So those are the governing documents, your CCNRs, your bylaws, your rules and guidelines, and your policies. That's just to start. So the second major section is something that everyone should know to look for, and that is financial reports, current budget, uh, things that deal with how much money does your association have. Now your association typically collects either monthly or quarterly a certain amount of money and an association should take a certain amount of that money and put in a special account referred to as a reserve fund. And so as part of the financial reports that you want to see, you want to see the one for the last year to see how much money was spent and on what particular items. You may not be able to see the specific items, but at least in the categories, how much postage, how much money was spent on landscaping, how much money was spent on repairs and maintenance, how much money was spent on attorney fees, legal fees, the management company, how much does all of that cost? And then you want to see the budget for the current year or the next year going forward if that's been approved so that you can kind of take a look at how do the finances from the previous year going to compare to the current year and the future year finances. And so relating to that reserve fund, you know, some people refer to it as a rainy day fund and it's not a rainy day fund. It's not money that you can go, oh, we can go spend this on something else now. It's designed to pay for ongoing maintenance recurring maintenance and replacement of major capital items that are around your community without having to take it out of your checking account. If you as a homeowner have a washer and a dryer and a refrigerator and one of those just absolutely quits working, you should have a savings account somewhere where you can go, well, I'm going to go buy a new washer or a new dryer to replace it. I've looked at repairing it and I need to replace it or I need to repair it, but that repair is expensive. And so your association has the 
same maintenance needs for the things around it. And so relating to that reserve fund, one of the items that you want to see is a reserve study. This would be a little difficult for you to wrap your mind around because if you've never seen one before, you don't really know what you're looking at, but it should list all of the assets of the association, which is not your home's assets. These are assets that belong in the common areas, any walkways, any playgrounds. Um, if you live in a larger association or are going to purchase into a larger association, any buildings, any of those things that, that they may have, you know, the reserve study will look at what is the expected lifespan of these? What are the normal recurring maintenance costs of these things? And you need to make sure that the reserve study really does reflect maintenance that is being done. And you want to make sure that your association is taking care of those things. When I first moved into my association, I looked at these things and saw that they were not being paid for. They were not being done in a timely manner. And we have gone back now and you know, the, the mailbox units that are around. They just looked horrible. People have been putting signs and tape and all kinds of stuff and a little graffiti here and there and they just looked horrible and so we paid a guy to come out and sand them down and repaint them and put a sticker on them that basically says, you know, no posters, no signs and, and that sort of a thing. So your reserve study will talk about all of those things and, and you should have at least a high level view of what that reserve study says. One of the other things you want to try and get some information on is the assessment history of your association. So you'll probably get or, or, or should see a resale disclosure document that's required to be produced by your association. And very often your association itself does nothing with this. The management company, this is another one of their profit centers. The management company basically charges the transfer fee and produces that typically one or two page resale disclosure document that says your current assessment is X number of dollars per month or per quarter. Now what you want to know is, is this amount, has it been the same ever since for how long? You know, did it just go up? And the other thing to do is to also look at your financial reports, which should include the ending balance of your operating fund, as well as your reserve fund. And you want to see those being healthy. How much should there be? Yeah, you know, I can't tell you a good answer for that because every association is different, but I can tell you that my association has around $100,000 in the bank at all times in our operating fund and it will go up and go down depending on whether it's one of the months where we collect assessments or not uh, and we have expenses obviously every month but that money over time has increased a little bit and so to me that that's sort of reflective that we are healthy we are maintaining the same level of assessments and doing well with that and our reserve fund has in fact gone up a good bit along the way and you want to make sure that your reserve fund is healthy and you want to go back and look at your reserve study and see what do they say in the reserve study should be in your reserve fund and make sure that if your reserve fund is not in line with the reserve study needs that uh, there's a good explanation for it.
Then after governing documents and financial report and reserve study and assessment history, you want to make sure that all the documents required by law were transmitted to you. I would go to the real estate agent and say, you should know this real estate agent. Tell me all of the documents that I'm supposed to get from my homeowners association and make sure that I have that. And if it was me, I would sit down with your real estate agent for 20 or 30 minutes at least and go over these documents. I can tell you that many real estate agents do not deal directly with these HOA documents. They make sure you get them, but they, they rarely, in my experience, spend any time explaining them to you. And if you can't get your real estate agent to explain them to you, you should contact either the management company or through the management company for your association, one of your association officers. You know, like me, I'm happy to talk to any potential owner about the association. My my philosophies and, and the way I like to run things and, and how my board interacts. We've got a, a pretty good board at this point and that has not necessarily always been the case. And uh, you know, I can show them the differences really between now and, and how we were before and see that improvement. So you know, make sure that you get all those documents. And here's one of the other things that you want to look at. You wanna look at that resale disclosure document. That resale disclosure document should include in it the amount that your prior owner may owe in terms of assessments and fines and other fees. And if they've been in arrears for some time, it may also include attorney fees. That is typically in there and because the association has a lien on the home for the assessments, the association is required to let you know in that resale disclosure document that they are behind one year in their assessments and here's how much that is. And oh, by the way, we spent this amount in, in collections trying to get them to pay and they haven't paid. And so that's why they're selling their home, blah, blah, blah. And you know, you want to know that that's in there because someone's going to have to pay for that. And it is probably coming out of the proceeds to them. It kind of looks like you're paying for it, but ultimately if they've got any equity in their home, once their loan is paid off and so forth, if the real estate agents get their cut and the bank gets their piece, and there's $10,000 supposed to be left in equity. If they owe $2,000 to the association, that $2,000 will come right off the top. The escrow company will see to it that the association is paid. And so you want to make sure that that's done and that the lien on the property is cleared. You know, look at that resale disclosure document and make sure you understand what it says and which parts you're going to be responsible for. And make sure that when you get the home, it is in good standing with the association. One of the other things you would like to ask for, and I can tell you that you know, many of the associations that I'm aware of probably can't deliver this to you because they, they don't really have this organized. They probably have these documents somewhere, but it's difficult for them to get. You should ask for copies of all prior architectural requests related to the lot to know what changes have been approved. So if if you're buying a home and there's a uh, set of pavers that goes down the side of your driveway, you don't know whether those pavers have actually been approved or not. 
the CCNRs will most likely say that anything you're going to do to the home before you do it on the outside, the exterior, and anything that's visible in the front, you know, has to go through an architectural review. And if anything's done to the lot without approval, the association can actually come to you and say, you have to remove that. So what you don't want to do is buy a home that's got all these nice pavers out front, buy the home and then have the association come by and say, oh, by the way, those were never approved. You have to take them up. What, what you want to do is review the outside to see if there's anything that really seems to be out of the ordinary from the other homes in the area. And you want to make sure that anything that is not really standard issue types of things on the home have been approved with an architectural request from the architectural committee or the design review committee, depending on what it's called in your association. And then finally, you want to review all of the outstanding violations. These two ought to be listed on the resale disclosure document that this prior owner, they owe these amounts in fines because they've had weeds and they've left their garbage can out front and because they have missing roof tiles in the top or because there's supposed to be a gate up. These things, some of them are going to be nuisance things that simply generate a fine that have to be paid, but some of them are violations that they have to be cured and uh, by cured I mean taken care of and sometimes what you don't want to find out is that a particular issue that needs to be taken care of is going to cost you thousands of dollars to correct later. I know of one particular situation where a guy bought a home. He did buy it from the prior owner and got a price concession and stipulated in his uh, contract that he was acquiring the home as is. And it turns out that there was a violation notice for a fence in the backyard that was rusty. And when he got the notice from the association that that rusty fence needed to be fixed, he tried to go back after the prior owner. And because the contract with him said, you know, you're getting it as is, he really couldn't go back to them and say, you know, you have to fix this. Had he looked at the original outstanding violations and so forth, he might have seen that that was indeed the case and would have known up front that this was something he was going to have to do. And according to him, it cost him a couple of thousand dollars to basically get it sanded, you know, the, the rust removed and repainted and a couple of repairs. So those are the things that you should be taking a look at. What I'd like to say, but I can't unfortunately, what I'd like to say is there's a place you can go and get an independent assessment of the association and the management company and the board of directors and major vendors. You know, this is something that some of the smaller groups that I'm working with now and even here at Fix Your HOA, we're looking at potentially being able to provide that as a service that for a small fee, we will give you an independent association of the association, the management company, the board of directors, and the major vendors that are working on your behalf and, and let you know, based on a comparative study with other associations, how that really runs. It would be good for you to be able to get that. And if you can at least go talk to a couple of the neighbors, hey, what do you think of the association? I can tell you that in most places where you go, you'll say, what about that association? Most of the answer you'll get is, I don't really 
really know anything about the association. I'm not involved with that. In most of our lives, we're just too busy with other stuff to be involved with it if we don't have to be. And then the people that have to be involved with the association, their opinion is usually negative. Yeah, they keep sending me violation notices because I keep letting the weeds grow up in my yard. Um, you know, that, that sort of a thing. So here's sort of my final note for you then. When you're buying the home, you know, you're asking yourself, am I gonna enjoy this home? But you need to know the bigger question, am I going to enjoy this home with these rules in place? You know, it, it may seem pretty daunting a task, but uh, the reality is, you know, if you take your time, do your due diligence, do your research, talk to members of the community, find out from neighbors even in other communities, hey, how are they over in that community? Do you know anything about their association? Sometimes people know more about the association in the next community than they know in their own. You know, that's, that's always interesting to do. So my recommendation, do your research and ask yourself, can I live in this home with these rules in place? Hopefully the answer is yes.